Those were the sounds that rang out from the stands of Notre Dame Stadium the last time the Irish and Wolverines squared off back in 2014. Notre Dame putting an end to the series with Michigan with an emphatic 31-0 shutout four years ago. Tonight, the rivalry is renewed after the longest break between games in 40 years. But why wait until 7.30? We're counting you down starting now on the premiere episode of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome, it's time for you to get locked in because it's game day for Notre Dame football. This is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. There is no better feeling in South Bend than a Notre Dame football game day in South Bend, except for one. A Notre Dame football game day in South Bend when the opponent is Michigan. Hello and welcome to the premiere episode of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. We're also presented by Orange Theory Fitness in Granger, voted the best one-hour full-body workout. Hello, everyone. I'm Angel DiCarlo. Excited to continue on with my 12th year of Notre Dame football pregame shows, switching from TV to radio this season. And I'm proud to welcome in my co-host, former St. Joe and Elkhart Memorial football coach, Kevin Downey, a lifelong Notre Dame fan. Kevin, welcome aboard. Yeah, it's going to be a great day. It's always exciting in South Bend, especially for a, South, a Michigan game against Notre Dame. I mean, you can feel the buzz already, right? I mean, we're, we're still another 10 and a half hours or so away, and I, I, I can feel it already. Oh, definitely. Well, there's people out there tailgating. They're getting ready too early. That's a, a lot of tailgating going on. The lots did open up at 7 a.m. Uh, on tap for our first show today, Kevin and I sat down with former New York Giant teammates Mark Bavaro and Chris Godfrey this week. Bavaro, a Notre Dame alum, Godfrey, a Michigan alum great conversation with those two Kevin uh and I know you know Chris very well he was one of your former assistants at St. Joe right yeah Chris is a great guy I think one of the neat things for me with just talking with both of them is that they have the rivalry but then also that teammate relationship when they were with the Giants and won the Super Bowl and we'll take you beyond the football field with our focus on faith segment with Notre Dame center and captain Sam Mustafer, as he explains how faith helped him get through those tough moments on the field in 2016. Remember the hurricane game against NC State, the bad snaps, Coach Kelly being in his, fa- in his face nationally on TV. Now he's a captain two years later. So he tells us how faith ha- helped him get through all that. And, of course, we're going to talk about the Irish quarterback situation, break down the matchup with Michigan. But, you know, let's start with simply this game being back on the schedule. Um 2014, it ended. Uh, it was a great game for Notre Dame fans, 31-0. Um, we heard the hey, hey, goodbye was from the uh, from the students and from the fan base. Um, but it's great to have this game back on the schedule, isn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, to have two regional national powers, two people that are or two games that are uh, close, two programs that are close, it's really intense. And I think that you kind of get that backyard rivalry almost that you get with, you know, a high school with the close proximity. It's different than the USC game. That's the the rivalry, but you don't have USC fans too much in this area, whereas your neighbor can be a Michigan fan. Yeah, so you're going to see him at the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've got that problem. And they're wasting no time with the hype of this one. I mean, they're, they got their Irish wear green. They want that whole place to be green. I, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of maize in there as well, but they want all the green. They're going to have the flyover before the game. The 1988 National Championship team is going to be here to be honored for the 30-year anniversary. And the women's basketball team is going to be on hand to be honored for their national championship. So they're they're bringing out all the stops. Yeah, not to mention it's a night game under the lights, national audience. Let, all right, let's talk about the fact that it's a night game. Um, Notre Dame has won. Uh, the home team has won all seven night games in this series. How about that? Notre Dame has won five of them, Michigan two, but it's kind of crazy to think of that way. Um, but obviously the excitement of this game being back is something that's very exciting for the players as well because they've never played in it. And uh, we spoke with Julian Love, the Irish cornerback, about that this week. I mean, this is <laughs> this is one of the greatest rivalries in college football, and you know I didn't have that my freshman sophomore year here, um, 
and to be able to when they announced it I was so excited because I get to be a part of history um, and you got T. Light talking about his games against Michigan and what he's done and I just I want to experience that and so Saturday is my opportunity and our opportunity to experience I guess you could say the hype of this game well that says it all doesn't it oh for sure I mean especially from a player's perspective just to get a chance to be a part of a game like this and kicking off the season it a lot of the guys said it uh or you could hear it in his voice like this helped carry him through all those fall and summer workouts and spring now they're ready to go do you like that it's the first game I mean in a way I think some people will be like well maybe if Ball State was first it'd be an easier <laughs> tune-up what do you what do you think is it as a coach your perspective is it good for the players that this is the first game I think it's great for the players again you hold their attention it's something that if you're in you know a morning workout things are trying to drag and you can stop everything pull them together and say listen we're getting ready for Michigan they're getting ready for you let's focus and get back after it you got any uh favorite memories of this series any games that kind of stand out for you well, you know, growing up in South Bend, and I actually grew up uh, just a couple miles away from Notre Dame, so I just remember all of basically the hype and going around trying to sell uh, programs, sneak into the game if I could. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's just great. You ever sneak in? I, I was successful oh, a couple times. I believe the statute of limitations <laughs> is off on that, although they may take away your media credential now if they hear about that. That's so, true. That's a possibility. Um, but any any game in particular stand out to you? Um, I think that the 1988 you know national championship game, we were yeah. talking about it. I know they're you know um, talking about them and honoring them, but that was a close, hard-fought game. Yeah, 1917, Reggie Ho had uh, the four field goals in that one. So uh, that was definitely one of the big ones uh, for Notre Dame, to say the least, in this in this rivalry. Uh, and Notre Dame has won five of the last six games between them at played at Notre Dame Stadium. First time a Jim Harbaugh coached Michigan team comes to, to Notre Dame to face uh, the Irish. But we know Jim Harbaugh is no stranger to facing Notre Dame, 2-0 and as a player and 2-2 two and two as a head coach when he was at Stanford. So it uh, won't be easy for the Irish to go up against a Jim Harbaugh-led team. No, there's a lot of hi- a lot of hype with uh, Jim, and there's you know if you listen to the national media, a little pressure on him just to produce. But he he does get results. A lot of his players, if you look for recruiting, he brings in some really really great players. All right, we'll break down the matchup a little bit more as we go, but we got to turn our attention to the quarterback situation, which has gotten a little interesting. Obviously, we know Brandon Wimbush was the starter all of last year, and then Ian Book comes in in the Citrus Bowl, takes over, and does a great job. First of all, just your early impressions of of Ian Book and the way he came, he played really well in the Citrus Bowl, led him to victory, and then the decision to make Brandon Wimbush the starter ultimately. Well, I think, and Coach Kelly talked about it, but there's different skill sets with both guys. I think uh, one of the neat things with Ian Book is he has a lot of confidence in himself. I yep. mean, he can to step in when the team needs you, win a bowl game. I mean, that's, that's really big time. Um, and so you know that he carries that confidence with him and that he knew that he could do it. And then Winbush, you know, when you sit back and look at his season, he had a great year. He ran the ball really well. He put up some big numbers throwing. I think that uh, sometimes when you're in the moment and, you know, the emotions are going, you may evaluate players a little bit different than when you sit back after the offseason and look at his strengths. So obviously he does a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we don't know about that um, propels him to be a leader and that he should be a starter. Nine days ago, we met with Brian Kelly for the first time in about a week's time. So I asked at that point, all right, Brandon Wimbush, definitely the starter as Ian Book closed the gap. And Kelly said Wimbush was the starter and he didn't view it as a closing of the gap situation. But how he did go on to answer the questions and others uh, opened some eyes. Let's hear what BK had to say about his quarterback situation back on August 23rd. I think what we know more than anything else is what Brandon's strengths are and what um you know, we didn't know that. Like, we, we were trying to figure out as the season went, you know, what can we do, what can't we do, and, you know, got frustrated at times, and he got frustrated. We know exactly what he can do, and 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 we'll set our game plan that, that really goes to his strengths. And we'll do the same thing with Ian, and we know that we can play them both if we need to. I don't think Ian Book is ever going to be the runner that Brandon Wimbush is. I don't know that Brandon Wimbush is ever going to spin the ball the way that Ian Book does. So I think we've given up on that notion of 
who's going to close in on one. They're both different quarterbacks, and they both can help us win. And if we feel like we need them both to play at certain times, we'll do it. And if we don't, we won't. You know, we've had ones that are, were dicier, like it's 1A, 1B, you know, the, the Kaiser um, Malik Zaire situation where you had real two starters and they were really kind of the same and, and you know, flip a coin. Uh, and then it just didn't go well, obviously. Um, this, this is a different situation. They complement each other very, very well. I want to win the game. And I know I've got two winners. And Brandon knows that, that and, and Ian knows that both of us can, can help this football team win. All right. Uh, at least he acknowledged the Kaiser-Zaire mess because that's the first thing that ev- comes to mind of everybody when you hear, wait a minute, he's going to play two quarterbacks. That did not go well the last time they did this when Notre Dame went 4-8 and eight two years ago. Uh, what were your impressions as you heard what he had to say about the quarterback situation? Well, I think you have to keep in mind that Brian Kelly is one of the few coaches that did have success with the two-quarterback system like when he was at Cincinnati, and that – basically that season helped propel him to get the Notre Dame job. So for him, at least from the outside looking in, there's somewhere in there there's a confidence that, you know what, I can handle this and I can handle two quarterback situations. Now, he did admit he, we've had a couple rocky roads since then. <laughs> Maybe it's the uh, every game on national TV. Maybe it's the intensity of the Notre Dame uh, quarterback position. But um, – I think he's right. You have to have confidence, obviously, in your guys. And if you want to take a real positive spin, now you have confidence in Wimbush as your starter. He's going to be able to do what he does well. But then in the back of your mind, you also have somebody that has different skill sets that can step in and also lead. Kelly went on to say that there won't be Eagles egos involved. Here's the problem. There could be hurt feelings involved. I think the biggest thing that holds Brandon Wimbush back um, is that does he have that confidence that, that continues throughout? And if Ian Book comes in and has success, will Brandon Wimbush still be confident when he has to go back in, whether it's that same game or the next game? That's my biggest worry. And, you know, as a coach, you know the psyche of your quarterback is critical to success. Definitely. I mean, they, they keep mentioning it, right? It's a huge thing for uh, Winbush, for any quarterback to have confidence in what you're doing. And I think, you know, Brian Kelly can help him. And, and they got into it last year a lot with, uh, with the new offense coordinator with Chip. They basically, if you run the ball a lot and really make that uh, conceded effort and keep going back to it, then you can mix in a little play action. You can mix in, a, you know, big over-the-top throw. But it uses Winbush as a runner, uses his skill set a little bit better. I would be uh, really worried if I got Winbush in third and long situations a lot because of his confidence, but then a lot because of the opponent with Michigan. That's what they do well. Want to have dinner on the 50-yard line at Notre Dame Stadium or host a private reception overlooking campus? It's a golden opportunity all brought to you by Venue ND. To learn more, visit venue.nd.edu or call 574-631-1400. Here's uh, one story I want to tell you about confidence and Wimbush that just versus book as the difference uh last year at the at the Citrus Bowl a couple days beforehand had no clue that book was gonna obviously play in the game at that point and uh they were at a clinic with kids and Ian Book decides now he probably knew who's gonna play in the game nevertheless he decides he's gonna go down the zip line with a 12 year old kid (laughs) and I make you know I'm I'm hanging out then after seeing that and I'm like I'm actually standing next to Wimbush and I go, Can you believe Book just did that? And you could see the wheels turning in his mind, like and I think he said something to the effect of, Oh, I wonder if I should go do that. And he was th- overthinking it and thinking it and it, it left an impression with me that, you know, sometimes he's got that fear of failure. And Brian Kelly said that this week. He can't have that fear of failure. And sometimes the, the biggest thing I think that can hold him back is you know, whether or not he's worried about who's behind him. And now he knows that guy behind him can play. So it's whether or not he's just got the confidence that's all right, all right, Book's going to do his thing, I'm going to do my thing, and everything's okay. Yeah, well, and again, uh, third and long, that spotlight's going to be on him. That's where he's going to have to perform and do things that are possibly out of his skill set. You know, he's really good at the design quarterback runs. He's really good at throwing the deep ball, the timing middle routes. But um, it, it gets tough for him when it's those short touch passes. Uh, you know, I remember a story, the difference between John Elway and um, Joe Montana. 
Joe was good at the touch passes, and when Elway first got in the league, they said, listen, it doesn't matter how hard you can throw it. If nobody can catch it, it doesn't do us any good. All right, we'll talk more about the quarterbacks and then the offense versus Michigan defense next segment. When we return, I sit down with Notre Dame captain Sam Mustafer for a long-form conversation you won't want to miss. We're going beyond the football field in our very first Focus on Faith segment. That's next on the premiere of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Auto loans from Notre Dame Federal Credit Union can save you money. Why? Because the whole purpose of a credit union is to save you money. Catholic-inspired credit unions put faith into action. Pope John Paul II called them one of the church's most significant concrete achievements. Now it's easier than ever to be a part of this. All you need is a phone. You already share our values. Why not share in our savings? For a better auto loan or refinance from Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, call 844-230-6611. Hey, football fans. This is Steve Pizarro from Cressy and Everett Real Estate. If you're considering buying or selling your home, then listen up and visit southbendsteve.com. Just like in football, the excellence is in the execution. So forget the stress of buying or selling a home and call me today at 574-229-4040. That's 229-4040. So remember, Steve Bizarro, your Michigan real estate expert, and visit southbendsteve.com. It is 918. Welcome back to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey with you for our premiere episode. Having fun so far, buddy? Yeah, it's a great time. It, it's been fun, and I uh, just wanted to tell you that I'm also having fun doing Orange Theory Fitness. It's been voted the best one-hour full-body workout in the country. It's for people of all fitness levels. Uh, my wife has been a regular for years. She has finally gotten me to get going. Uh, I am not in shape, but I'm getting there. Uh, Orange Theory Fitness, located at Heritage Square in Granger, your first workout is free. Uh, we've got an exciting new segment that uh, is really only here on Redeemer Radio. Uh, it's called the our Focus on Faith segment, and we're excited to have Sam Mustafer be our first guest, the 2018 captain, graduate student, entering his third year as the starting center for the Irish. And, you know, this is a long-ranging conversation. Everyone remembers the NC State game two years ago when he had trouble snapping the football. Coach Kelly in his face for the world to see. So how did Sam get through that? Faith. He explains how faith plays a role in his daily life and how he looks to honor his late grandmother who passed away earlier this week. Sam, having the words Notre Dame captain before your name, what does that mean to you? Um, it means everything to me, and I feel like it's a testament to all the work, you know, that I've been putting in during my time here. And, you know, to, to not only be captain, but to be voted captain by my peers was very special to me. Obviously, this wasn't an easy journey for you. We, we remember how things got started, and uh, most notably that NC State game where there's a couple bad snaps, and on TV you could see Coach Kelly getting in your face. How did you get through? Take us back to that moment, first of all, and how difficult that day was for you. Um, it was very difficult, and, you know, just when, you know, I think that, you know, I may have it all figured out or I'm having a good day in practice, you know, I kind of use that day to keep myself level-headed at all times. And, you know, Roy really got through me, me through that day and, you know, really, you know, through that season as a whole. And be, to be able to progress from that is, you know, just faith in my family. And that's really them supporting me and backing me. So. How, how much did, does faith play a role in that for you and, and getting you through, through moments like that? Uh, a lot. You know, I would I would be a frequent of uh, the Keo. Uh, on campus our, our dorm I would go and say a prayer every time I would get back at night you know usually I wouldn't make it back in time for mass because I'd have engineering homework or something to do right after practice but you know that was that was something that was huge for me when I go home I'm going to mass with my parents stuff like that so you know it's just being able to pray daily and understand you know that there's somebody out there looking out for you was being a proud Catholic something that drew you to Notre Dame in the first place um I Really, if if there were any faith aspect, you know, uh, it, I, I think just a faith aspect in general would have drawn me to anywhere. Um, and what's special about it is Notre Dame, you have you have things like Our Lady watching over us every single day. You have things like the grotto, um, you know, to, to remind you and to ground you and to keep you humble in a way. The team has mass every every Friday the, during the season and players chosen to read the litany of the blessed mother mary that role went to mike mcglinchey last year you now take it over what what does that mean to have that honor for your team uh it's awesome you know um after the bowl game last year mike 
handed me the paper and said, it's all yours. Um, and this year when we did the annual mass at the grotto with the coaches and their families, um, that was my first time being able to do it. Um, you know, I think uh, Father Thiesing said that was the first time we've done it at the grotto as well. So, so that was definitely special. We're speaking with Sam Mustfer, the Notre Dame senior captain and center for the Irish as we get ready for Notre Dame and Michigan coming up at 7.30. This is the season premiere of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Sam, how do you think uh, faith and football kind of intersect here at Notre Dame? Like you said, we have the mass um, and, you know, the golden helmet reminds you of the golden dome on every single play. And, you know, that that's something that I look forward to, um, you know, just being able to experience that and experiencing game day. There's there's a different aura around this place, and I believe it has something to do with the faith here. And I know you're a big community service guy. You did a lot with the with the flood relief effort here in Michigan back in March. Um, you know, you're not from here. Mm-hmm. So what makes you want to do stuff like that? How important is it for you to kind of give back to the local community here? Um, you know, even when I was home, I would volunteer at, you know, soup kitchens or different relief efforts that were around the Baltimore area. Um, and, you know, being up here at first, you, you know, you're kind of limited with regards to transportation. I was like, you know, it, that's all right. But last summer I was able to experience South Bend through my internship. And, you know, I, I gained a green, greater respect and understanding for this area and the fact that they, they, they do need our help. And, you know, we can't be shielded by, you know, this golden dome or not going past that street. we got to go out into the community and immerse ourselves. Your grandmother just passed away not not that long ago. First of all, our condolences are to you. Uh, just tell us a little bit about her and what she meant to you in your life. Uh, she meant everything to me. Um, you know, her and my grandfather were, they've been to many games. They were at that game where it was in the hurricane. And, you know, they were there for me. They were part of that family and faith aspect that I spoke about earlier. Um, that that's such a crucial role in my life. And, you know, she was always teaching me to, you know, love everybody, to, you know, be respectful in the things that I do, give back, because that's what she did. She was a social worker her whole life. And, you know, so she instilled in me that, that selfless attitude and being other-centered. How much will you be thinking about her, uh, re, you know, honoring her uh, on Saturday night? Um, all the time, you know. Uh, I think about her every day, you know, and it... I I like to think of it, you know, and my grandfather even echoed the same sentiment that, you know, now she'll be able to see all of our games. And that that was something that she was she was kind of upset about, you know, as she was passing and she was realizing her body was going on. She realized, you know, she wouldn't be able to see my brother PJ play his first game at Penn State. She wouldn't be able to see me play out my last year at Notre Dame. But it's convenient for her now because now she'll be able to be at all of those events. We're speaking with Sam Mustfer, the Notre Dame senior captain and center for the Irish as we get ready for Notre Dame and Michigan coming up at 7.30. This is the season premiere of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Sam, you were obviously a big part of an offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award last year as the top offensive line in the country. But Mike McGlinchey, Quentin Nelson, two top ten picks are gone. You're, you're the leader now of this offensive line. What do you expect from this group this season as you move forward without two obviously very talented guys? I just expect this group to continuously prepare and to take that you know standard of excellence that Mike and Q had um, and that they approach the game with every day. And not only them, but Ronnie Stanley, Nick Martin, Zach Martin. You think of all the guys before us, the Jeff Faines, the Braxton Caves, like – they're in Taylor's. That's what we do it for, and I hope this group understands that it's not just about this year's offense line. It's about, you know, years and years of guys who who played before us, and it's about making them proud with the efforts that we have. And then you want to have your name listed off in in that group by future offensive linemen. So how important is this season for you individually as you hope to, to achieve bigger things next year in the NFL? Um, you know, it's it's very important. Obviously, uh, I have dreams and aspirations of being able to play in the NFL. Um, and I know that my individual success is going to run parallel to this team's success. And so, you know, it's really just focusing on what I can do to make this team better, what I can do to make the guys to the right and left of me better. And, you know, if I do that, all that individual stuff will come. And you mentioned the, the team aspect of going far. What, what do you think this team can achieve this year? Um, it can achieve whatever w- that that we prepare to do. Um, and what I mean by that is that this team's a family. You know, we've put in the work, and it didn't just begin at camp. This began right after Miles Boykin made that catch. It was, you know, getting back to campus, you know, 
meshing with the guys, you know, becoming a family and both on and off the field and understanding what it takes to, you know, graduate from a place like this and also win a national championship. And that, and that's hard. But, you know, if this team approaches every single day with that in mind, the sky's the limit. If I told you in those moments after the NC State game two years ago that, you know, you would be captain of this team two years later and be leading them out of the tunnel against Michigan and Notre Dame Stadium, what would you have said to us? Man, immediately after, I would have probably told you you were crazy. Um, but, you know, once I, I settled down and, you know, I got back to, you know, faith and my family and, you know, the things that ground me. And I was like, you know, it's not over. This is this is just a chapter. It's just a bump in the road. You know, any great success story has had its own bumps. And I use that. And that fuels me still to this day to, you know, not let this team down. That was Sam Mustafer, starting center and captain for the Notre Dame football team. Kevin, uh, what an outstanding young man. What a, That was a great conversation. I was happy to be able to be a part of that. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I'm a father of three boys, and that's the kind of uh, young men I'd like them to grow up to be. Uh, what did you take from that, just the whole balance of his maturity? Uh, we all remember that NC State game. And he. I, I thought what was fascinating was, he had no problem talking about anything. There wasn't one cliche he said in an eight-minute interview. He was an open book, and, and he kind of explained how he got through it through faith. Yeah, I think, man, again, that's the kind of young man that we want um, people to look up to, right? He's he's intelligent, resilient, uh, definitely a man of faith. So I think that's one of the, the neat aspects. And one of the things that, you know, I have coached at uh, Catholic and – I guess, religious or Catholic schools and public schools. And, you know, there is a difference. I think that, that faith component's a huge thing. All right, Mustafer, Alex Bars, Tommy Kramer, returning starters on the offensive line. Robert Hainsey, Liam Eichenberg will take over for Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson. And what a way to debut going against Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich of uh, Michigan. This will not be an easy matchup, especially for Eichenberg going up against Gary, who they actually played against each other in high school. But, man, those guys have a heck of a first challenge, don't they? Oh, for sure. Well, just getting used to playing together, which is what they've been working on in fall camp. But then, again, the Michigan defense, their strengths are the, they have two really strong inside linebackers and really uh, strong defensive ends. So I think it's going to be a challenge up front. And then when you look at how that affects the running game, Josh Adams is gone. We don't expect to see Dexter Williams tonight. He's expected to sit out the first four games with a suspension that Notre Dame uh, refuses to acknowledge. Tony Jones Jr. only experienced running back back. I only had 232 yards rushing last year. Sophomore Jafar Armstrong could see a lot of time this year and could be their best running back. And converted quarterback Avery Davis will also see time at running back. I, I think Brandon Wimbush is going to be their top rusher, really. And that that's going to be trouble against this Michigan defense, which is phenomenal. Well, and so Winbush doesn't have to do it alone. You're going to rely on some of your, your running back plays, and it's a big question mark, right? So to negate a big pass rush, you can use screens. Uh, you can use play action, bootleg, move them around a little bit. You don't really know how these guys are going to block these new running backs. So, that, I mean, that's a big question. But the thing that I think will help them is if they go back again to the offensive line, use your strengths, you have good – offensive line play they they recruit great linemen every year right and they develop them as um they were saying there's there's a culture there so tempo wear them down there everybody fatigue makes cowards of us all sorry i had to throw in a cliche right <laughs> but with that only took us a half hour that's true that's true <laughs> with that it's true in that they have a lot of talent but if they are tired then they're going to be able to run their simple zone schemes they're going to be able to do a little bit of the pull schemes to uh mix it up and with that, they're going to be able to stay out of third and long. And Michigan's got such a great defense. Led the nation in uh, pass defense the last two seasons. Um, third in the country in tackles for loss. Seventh in sacks. Led the country in third down defense. Opponents converted only just 26% of the time. Uh, Notre Dame's offense is going to have their hands full tonight, aren't they? Definitely. Uh, and again, you got number 10, Bush. He's an All-American. I mean, he is a powerful person out there presence and when you're talking about multiple guys I mean, michigan's got eight returning starters nine returning starters on uh on defense so they've, they've got a ton of great players on there to, to say the least so it will be definitely a handful for the irish all right coming up next a very fun interview kevin and i conducted earlier this week with a pair of former new york giant super bowl champions teammates so why did we interview them well one is mark bavara 
and he went to Notre Dame. The other is Chris Godfrey. He went to Michigan, and they're really good dudes. You won't want to miss this conversation on Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays when we come back. What happens on the Kyle Hyman Show? Ooh, uh, good question. Good question. Good question. That's a really good question. That's a very good question. That's a great question. Great question. Yeah, you're onto something there, Kyle. Boy, <laughs> that's a great question. That's a great question. Uh, what a great question. That's a great question. Great question. Great, great question, Kyle. Wonderful, wonderful question. That's probably one of the most challenging questions. Again, excellent question. Kyle, you stumped me. Um, I forgot what the question was. Find out weekdays from 7 to 8 a.m. Nicholas J. Salon and Spa on Eddy Street Commons, the ultimate salon experience. Whether it's a basic men's haircut, an everyday women's cut and color, a spa afternoon, or your wedding day, Nicholas J. Salon believes total beauty is within us all. Call Nicholas J. and Aveda Concept Salon today at 574-233-0700 or visit them on Eddy Street Commons. Welcome back to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey alongside with you. Our title sponsor for Irish Sports Saturdays is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. When you open up an Elevate membership at Notre Dame FCU, you'll get $50 in your new account and another $50 for an eligible nonprofit like a Catholic high school, a parish, or even Redeemer Radio. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. All right, uh, this is going to be a fun little segment. Uh, we got a chance to sit down with Mark Bavaro and Chris Godfrey. Uh, Mark, a, a great guy that went to Notre Dame. Chris, a great guy that went to Michigan. And now uh, really a, a longtime uh, attorney here in town, a guy you know very well. Uh, this was a fun conversation, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's just neat how uh, teammates for a football team, there's a special bond. You know, year, the years have gone by, but these guys still stay in touch. Yep, they won. They won the Super Bowl with the Giants over the Broncos in the, in the '80s, and uh, they're still very good friends. Uh, Thirty-two years later, uh, so let's listen in as we chat with Mark Bavaro and Chris Godfrey. We are joined in studio by South Bend attorney Chris Godfrey. Chris is a former standout lineman for Michigan. So, as much as many of us like Chris, he's the enemy of many today as well. Welcome, Chris. Yeah, but they're friends of a lot, too. <laughs> and Chris was a Super Bowl champion for the New York Giants back in 1986, and one of his Super Bowl champion teammates is on the phone with us. That's Notre Dame alum, a founding member of Tight NU under the Golden Dome, the legendary Mark Bavaro. Mark, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, guys. How are you guys doing? We're, we're all good here. Uh, Mark, let's start with you. You and Chris are obviously very good friends, so explain to me how a Notre Dame guy and a Michigan guy managed to pull that off and be so tight. Well, I don't know. He was, uh, I don't know he went to Michigan. <laughs> I found out it was too late. What made you guys so, so close? Uh, we shared a, common, uh, a lot of common traits. You know, we both were uh, uh, heavy into the Catholic Church, um, and we shared the faith. Um, and he, we just, he was just a good guy, you know. And it wasn't just me and Chris. I mean, we were friends with a bunch of the guys on the team, and that whole team was pretty close uh, as a whole. Chris, give me a Mark Bavaro story that defines what kind of player he was. Well, maybe the one that some of you have seen was a Monday night game in San Francisco that really turned the season around for us. And an artist captured it pretty, uh, pretty well in a painting later on. But it was Mark catching the ball over the middle, and proceeding down the field with about at least eight 49ers <laughs> hanging off of him. And I remember the illustrator of the picture having a, had a, having a sticker on Mark's shirt saying, no riders. And, uh, and, but anyways, that was, a, that was a, a turning point, I think, uh, at least one of the few turning points in our season that was so special, and Mark was a big part of that. And perhaps the reason why Mark and I got along so well is he didn't have to share uh, the ball with me. They never let me touch it. <laughs> Mark, as you look back now, does it feel like more than 30 years since you guys won that first Super Bowl over the Broncos? Um, you know, sometimes it feels like it was yesterday. You know, sometimes it feels like it, it was a lot longer than 30 years, like it never happened. So it's kind of weird that way, but um, the memories are there. The rings are there. Um, I know they happened, and I'm glad that they did. I enjoy it when I look back on it because so many things could have gone wrong and gone bad and resulted in different ways, but um, thank God they didn't. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice to reminisce, but, you know, it was a lot more fun actually doing it. 
No offense, Chris. I, I was too young to remember the 86 Super Bowl win, but Mark, you went on to win a second Super Bowl in 1990. That one near and dear to my heart because it is one of my first childhood memories. And since I was Italian and you're a Giants fan and you being Italian, that instantly made you my favorite player. So just want to throw that one out there. Uh, to win two Super Bowls, has it grown as a greater appreciation over time, knowing now how hard it is not only to win one Super Bowl, but to win two? Yeah, I remember, you know, when, when the second one happened, I, I do remember being in awe of the fact that, you know, I had just become a multiple Super Bowl winner. Uh, I know that there aren't that many. Uh, there aren't that many Super Bowl winners, you know, not to mention multiple. But, um I mean, it was a special moment. I do look back, and I there is a, a sense of accomplishment, um, but it's a it's a little mitigated up here in Patriot country because these guys win Super Bowls every other year. <laughs> so when I when I go brag about my exploits to some of these Patriots fans up here in the Boston area, you know they kind of poo poo my two Super Bowl rings while they're holding up their five or six or whatever it is. You're listening to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Andre Carlo, Kevin Downey with you. Joined right now by Notre Dame legend Mark Bavaro and former Michigan great Chris Godfrey. Uh, Chris, I know you're a Michigan grad, but you did get your law degree from, from Notre Dame. Was, was Notre Dame ever in consideration for you as, as an undergrad to, to play football for the Irish? It might have been had they called me, but I, don't, I wasn't <laughs> even on the radar screen. Fair enough. Uh, Mark, what, what attracted you to Notre Dame in the early 80s? Well, I mean, Notre Dame back then was, you know, the, the place to go. It was the top of the top. They were winning national championships. I mean, if you were being recruited at that time, you know, Notre Dame was definitely at the top of your list. Um, but I can't say that that's exactly why I went. There was a couple of factors. There was a girl involved, and uh, I was following her to Notre Dame. She ended up not going Notre Dame, but I ended up already committing, and um so it's funny how life uh, works out that way, but uh, I enjoyed my time there, and I eventually met my uh, my current wife there, so it, it all turned out for the best. <laughs> well, that may answer this question, but what are some of the things, maybe not on the field, Mark, but something off the field, besides your wife, of course, uh, at, from your time at Notre Dame that you carry with you to this day? Well, the friends I made there, uh, by far. You know, I don't really go back to Notre Dame that often, I don't. I don't have much to do with the school, but um, the friends I made there, I keep in touch with. Uh, there are only a couple of my good friend Jay Underwood that we played together with, Mike Perino, and some of these guys are some of my best friends in the world. And um, it was a great place to go to school. It was a great place to you know, spend those formative years uh, surrounded by you know, the trappings of the Catholic Church and the faith and all that. And um, uh, I would recommend it to anybody. I know it's, I know everybody would like to go there now. It's very difficult to get in. But I always thought that even in my worst times there that I would love to see my children go there because it is a special place, and I do have fond memories of it. Um, and really it was because of the people more than Former New York Giants teammates Mark Bavaro, Notre Dame alum, and Chris Godfrey, a Michigan alum, with us on the premiere of Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays as we get set for Notre Dame and Michigan under the lights at Notre Dame Stadium. Chris, uh, let's talk about this game a little bit. Uh, this rivalry getting renewed. There's been long stretches when they didn't play, just two meetings between 1910 and 1978. That 78 game ended a 35-year drought where the two sides hadn't played. You played in that game. What are your memories of that one? I just remember the buildup being incredible. I was working out of town at a job that was long and hard. I'd come home, but I still had to get ready for the season. And it was the thought of the game, the Notre Dame game, that gave me the energy to, to run those 440s and lift those weights and do everything that needed to get done. And uh, I actually surprised Bo when I came back for a midseason workout. He thought I was, he was just going to beat the heck out of me in this uh, <laughs> workout and just berate me for being out of shape, but I surprised him. And it was thinking about this game. You know, Notre Dame was coming off a national championship the year before and playing against Joe Montana and the rest. What a, what a big stage that was. So it's a lot of fun and a lot, of a, a lot of expectancy going into the game. In fact, if you watch the game, you know, the game got started late. The Notre Dame 
fans were all on the, out on the field preventing the the, uh, the coin toss and the teams coming out. It was just, it was huge. And as you know, back then there weren't as many TV games, and this was the game. You know, Keith Jackson was there and the whole, the whole nine yards. Mark, uh, 1982, you were a sophomore. That was the very first night game at, ever at Notre Dame Stadium. It's kind of like Chris said, it's always a big matchup. The Irish won at 23-17. to 17. What can you tell us of the atmosphere? The, what, what was it like that night in the stadium? Uh, it was incredible. I had never seen the campus like that. I, we did win. I, you know, I didn't really feel like part of the victory. I didn't do much um, when I was young. But um, I just remember how crazy the campus was afterwards. Um, it was something special, something that I had never seen at Notre Dame before and something I had never seen afterwards. Uh, I, I really thought that this was the moment that um, all those old Notre Dame guys were talking about when they would talk about how great the place was and you know, when they were winning national championships and, and, and that type of thing. Uh, Chris, you know, this rivalry took a little bit of a break here now for four years. Do, do you think, based on your guys' stories, it sounds like you guys think this game probably should be played every single year? Is it is it one of those games that should be going every year, you think? I, I really do feel that way, although it, I, I suppose it was probably nice to take a year or two off just to let feelings and emotions heal a bit because it is, as Mark pointed out, people get ramped up for this, and, and you're pretty disappointed afterwards. I mean, there was a, a bitterly disappointed drunk leprechaun behind Besides, you at the Michigan Stadium last time, and I said, "Whoa, these, this is getting serious. Keep an eye on that guy," but not representative of everybody. The interesting thing is John Crick, the chronicler of this series. Um, the book was called Natural Enemies, and he made the observation that you know, got two fan bases who are so much alike, and that's probably why Mark and I get along so well. But they really don't like each other, at least when it comes down to this game. Uh, they go way, way back. You know, they actually started the, the the game together hundreds of years, hundred years ago. M- Mark, do you think it should be played every year, or do you like the fact that there are some breaks now and then? Well, I think it should be played every year, and I I thought it was always played every year. I'm surprised then and later on that it was kind of sporadic. I mean, I, why wouldn't you want to feel that every every year? Win or lose. Mark, I imagine there has to be some kind of uh, friendly wager on the line between you two tonight. What's at stake? Oh, it's usually a case of beer that um, never seems to get delivered or drunk. <laughs> uh, all right, how about some predictions? Uh, Chris, let's start with you. What do you think happens? I think it's going to be a bruising defensive battle. And I think it's going to be a great game to watch. And I think the highs are going to be high and the lows are going to be low because it's their first game, right? They haven't worked out the bugs yet. And this is what the sport is all about. There's not a heck of a lot of calculation going into this yet and eyes on the national title, even though they're there. Uh, all of that stuff is off the board. Now, this is just pure competition, and this is the way sports should be played. Whatever happens, it's going to be close. It's going to be hard fought. Uh, two great coaches, uh, two teams filled with great athletes. It's, I think it's up to it's anybody's game. That's Notre Dame alum Mark Bavaro, Chris Godfrey, Michigan alum, and two former New York Giant teammates. I think they said it all. They they want to see this game every year. I think every player you talk to would want to see every uh, see this game every year as well. Um, want to let you know that coming up next, if you like all things Notre Dame, be sure to stay tuned for Church Life Today coming up right after us on Redeemer Radio. Lenny, Lenny DiLorenzo of the McGrath Institute for Church Life at Notre Dame speaks with pastoral leaders and scholars from around the country about issues that matter most in church life today. That's next on Redeemer Radio with replays tonight at 6 and on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to look at the Notre Dame defense versus the Michigan offense. What concerns you most if you're Brian Kelly? What concerns you most if you're Jim Harbaugh? Our keys to the game, game prediction, and season prediction. A lot to squeeze in in the final 10 minutes of the season premiere of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Don't go away. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! You deserve more from your workout. More than sweating away extra pounds. 
It should transform you from the inside out with technology to prove you're improving and coaches that give you more tough love. You want more results, more confidence, more community, and more energy. Because the more you do at Orange Theory, the more you get out of life. Orange Theory Fitness. Go to orangetheory.com for a free workout. If you're in the market to buy or sell a home, I want to tell you about Steve Bizarro, real estate agent at Cressy and Everett. Steve uh, was great for my wife and I as he helped sell us our first home. He made the whole process easy and fun. Visit southbendsteve.com to learn more about real estate agent Steve Bizarro of Cressy and Everett. All right, 951 here on Redeemer Radio 95.7, the premiere episode of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey with you. And Kevin, uh, we're going to start talking about the Notre Dame defense and unfortunately some bad news this week. Hate to see what has happened to Notre Dame cornerback Sean Crawford, his third season-ending injury in four years. Really tough to see. Definitely. I mean, I love football. I love the game. The only bad part of the game is injury. And for to have a young man have to go through that back-to-back-to-back is really heartbreaking. Torn ACL suffered in practice on Tuesday. Here's what Irish coach Brian Kelly had to say about Crawford going down yet again. Well, as you can imagine, very disappointed. Um, you know, this is uh, right knee, left knee, Achilles. You know, you just, it's, you just, your heart's broken for a kid that uh, has worked so hard to get on the field and and uh, has been set back by injury. And, um, you know, just it's difficult for him, but he's handling as best he can, uh, given the circumstances. Kelly says safety uh, Nick Coleman, who was a starter at safety last year. Houston Griffith will play the nickel while also being in the safety rotation. Obviously, this hurts Notre Dame's depth, that cornerback uh, behind Julian Love and Troy Pride. Well, and I think just depth in general at the defensive backfield was their strength going in. They had a lot of confidence in their safety stepping up. Um, and, again, that nickel spot's really important in modern football. And then we put new new defensive coordinator Clark Lee in a tough position. Uh, first time ever as a defensive coordinator after taking over for Mike Elko. Uh, I know he knows this defense really well because he's been with Mike Elko a long time and kind of helped form it. But um, under the lights against Michigan in, in your first game, uh, not an easy task for a first-time defensive coordinator, is it? No. Well, you have that the, the back-end support with the defensive backs uh, that he has confidence in, and then you have some true playmakers in your linebackers, Tavon Coney and Drew Tranquil. Those guys are so much fun to watch. And then, of course, the consistency with the defensive line, like a Jerry Tillery comes to mind. Yeah, nine returning starters for Notre Dame's defense. You mentioned Tillery, nine tackles for loss, four and a half sacks last year. Tranquil moving from Rover to Buck linebacker. Michigan's offense, they've got a new quarterback uh, in Shea Patterson. What do you think of him? Well, I saw his highlight reel. He looks like the old uh, Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football, running around, throwing the ball up, making things happen. But he reverses field a lot, too, so I think it's a chance for Notre Dame to get some big plays. Karen Higdon is their returning running back, led Michigan with 994 yards and 11 rushing touchdowns. Their wide receiver, Tarek Black, is out for this game, so that's a big deal. So kind of a balance there between the two sides with the Irish losing a cornerback and Michigan losing their star wide receiver. All right, if you're uh, Brian Kelly, what concerns you the most heading into tonight? Well, I would really want to keep my – on offense, keep my uh, quarterback, Wimbush, out of third and long, so you got to run the ball. And then on defense, you got to be able to stop the two back runs. Uh, Michigan and Harbaugh in general do a great job of really lining it up and playing a little bit of old school football, which people don't see anymore. All right, I'll say uh, which Wimbush shows up. That would concern me the most if I'm Brian Kelly. All right, what concerns you the most if you're Jim Harbaugh? Uh, definitely making sure that my new QB can handle the, the pro style under center uh, counters fullback <laughs> plays, to be honest with you. It's something that you just don't see a lot anymore. There's a lot of spread teams out there, even down to the high school level. And it'd be interesting to see if they will go into the spread. There's been some speculation about that. For Jim Harbaugh, I say what concerns him the most, which Wimbush shows up. I think that's the concern for both coaches because if the good one shows up, Harbaugh's going to be in trouble. Your keys to the game. I think it's run the ball and stop the run on both sides. It's going to be one up front. Um, I'm going to say the offensive line, they don't have to be the 2017 offensive line. We know they're not going to be, but they're going to have to be close to that. Otherwise, there will be no run game, and if there's no run game, there's not going to be effective pass game for ND, considering the fact that Wimbush was under 50% uh, last season. All right, uh, time for our predictions. What do you what do you think is going to happen in this one? Who are you predicting? 
we got to say Notre Dame wins, right? It's a Catholic radio station. <laughs> I do think Notre Dame will win uh, 21 to 17. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Notre Dame 16 to 13. Uh, the, the, one of the main reasons is last year before the USC game, uh, I said I wasn't going to pick Notre Dame in a situation like that until they showed me they could win a game like that. Well, they showed us under the lights against USC last year they could do that. They have you know, 17 starters back this season. Um, so I think it's going to be a hard-fought uh, defensive battle, but I'll pick Notre Dame in this one, 16-13. All right, season prediction, what do you got? Again, undefeated national championship wow. season. Come Unbelievable. on. It's Unbelievable. a Catholic radio station, Nons. you got to go. But Unbelievable. in all honesty, I think there's some really tough games out there with Michigan, uh, Stanford. I saw them play last night. Again, they're really physical. Florida State and then USC, obviously, but then also watch out for Northwestern. They got a really good, consistent coach. So undefeated national Little championship bit. season. You it's all or nothing five, with me. <laughs> you name all five teams. I'm going to go with nine and three, uh, thinking losses to Stanford at Virginia Tech and yes at Northwestern. I'm sure Notre Dame fans aren't going to be happy to hear about that, but um, I, I think that's going to be a tough one. And you know what? At the end of their season, they've got to play so many games on the road. Uh, they'll play Navy in uh, San Diego the week before, have to come back, and then play Northwestern. So I'm worried about that the most. Um, how pumped up are you for, for 743 tonight and get this season started? Oh, I think it's going to be great. Again, there's great players on both sides. There's a lot great coaches. Um, there's just a lot of excitement and energy. And, you know, along with that, there's a lot of emotion. So even some crazy special teams plays may pop out. They have experience there. With the uh, the specialists, the kickers, both sides, but it's all the uh, other ten players that are out there for the first time. A lot of young guys just flying around trying to make things happen. Yeah, Justin Yoon has been a tremendous kicker for the Irish, and uh, we've seen him in practice ourselves of how well he's done. Um, I think the atmosphere is going to be electric. They want every Irish fan showing up in green tonight. Again, they're going to honor the 88 team, so they're going to do a lot of things tonight to make sure that this is a hype game. And we talk about the fact that we want this game every single year. But this one this year is special because they haven't played in four years. Yeah, I think uh, for the players, it's really important to get those life experiences. That's why they went to Notre Dame, be on TV, you know, every national TV every week to get a great education, faith-based, all that. But at the end of the day, it's going to be little big moments like this that they'll remember the rest of their lives. You have a good time today? Yeah, it was a great time. All right, we'll have you back on next week, of course, because you're, you're going to be here all season with us, so that's good to hear. All right, that'll do it for the premiere episode of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. Our show also presented today by Orange Theory Fitness in Granger, voted the best one-hour full-body workout. Our general manager of Redeemer Radio is Rick Gonziorek. Our executive director, Cindy Black. Operations manager is Doug Jones. Our audio operator, Jeremy Pete. My co-host, Kevin Downey, and I will be both at tonight's Notre Dame Michigan game so be sure to check out our 957 sports Twitter and Redeemer Radio 957 sports Facebook accounts for updates and posts from tonight's game after the longest break in 40 years Notre Dame and Michigan back on the schedule we're now nine hours and 45 minutes to kick off and we end our pregame the same way the Irish won their pregame tonight with a prayer from the team chapel this is Father Mark Thiesing chaplain for the Notre Dame fighting Irish football team let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Enjoy today's game.